Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I'm your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the retirement and tax playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And as usual, to my left, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello, and happy Sunday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show, and you want to catch up on anything that you missed, all you have to do is, sub- is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, Throughout the show, we will be offering our retirement rescue game plan. Now, you may be asking yourself, what is that, Marcus? Well, it is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. In the game plan, you're going to get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and you'll also get access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. And you can simply order that by going to warrenwealth.net. That is warrenwealth.net. You put in your information and uh, a retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge, by the way, via USPS to your front door. Once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. All right. And so uh, we are in the middle of a heat wave and um you know i'm originally from texas and you know i should be used to uh temperatures in the uh, triple digits but uh nope you can never get used to that i don't know how anyone gets uh, used to that uh because it is uh blazing hot and i know um i think it was a this wednesday the heat index was like 107 and that's simply because of the humidity see i've been in um um what do they call it? The dry heat of Arizona, the dry heat of Nevada. And uh, I think I'd like dry heat a little bit better than the uh, wet, sticky heat of um, Texas uh, here in Louisville. Or if you've ever been to uh, um, New Orleans, that is the worst. It's the worst, I tell you. But... Um, uh, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully we can get some, uh, relief here. Um, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know what do they call it. Global warming, um, climate change, whatever they call it. But, uh, all I know is it is scorching here in Kentucky. That's the way it is. Anyway, I guess we'll get into some, uh, money matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. All right. So, you know, we've seen these uh, temperatures, you know, continue to increase and increase, um, you know, kind of like uh, inflation has. Right. You know, we've we've heard about these uh, inflation numbers and the way that in inflation um, has has been in the news a lot lately. Um, right around seven or so percent uh, a month or two ago. And now uh, the numbers came in and inflation was writing at uh, 9%. Yes, that is correct. 9%. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, when you 
think about inflation, and I, I don't think that most people think about inflation, but the uh, and until of course it, uh, it it rises to these levels, and then people are always asking, "What's up with inflation?" I have my my, my daughter who is a, a junior in um, in college, and you know she you know doesn't talk about a lot of these things, but now she's asking, "Hey, Dad, when is this?" Uh, this inflation going, going, going to go down? When is it going to stop? Because of course she has a car and she has been going to the gas pump and it has been, uh, these exorbitant prices. And, you know, so, um, you know, should people be worried about inflation and, you know, there are various ways to, to look at it, but the simplest definition and what most people understand inflation to mean is that it, it's basically a rise in the overall level of prices for the goods and services consumed by households. And so what I generally say, because I speak to a lot of people who are in retirement, um, who are um, uh, a little bit uh, older or in retirement age, right? And I generally ask the question, hey, how many people have paid more for, paid more for their last car than they did for the first house? And a lot of hands go up and I'm like, that is inflation. Or if you just simply look at it as the cost of a stamp, if you've seen that those prices continue to rise, the cost of a stamp, I remember used to be, you know, 20 or so cents, 28 cents. And now it is uh, almost double of that um, today. And so here we are. And really, in today's terms or what's going on right now, inflation is simply too many dollars that are chasing too few products. And so one of the ways uh, too many dollars, you know, had got into this uh, uh, into the hands of Americans is basically through uh, the stimulus checks. Right. Because, you know, most people received uh, these stimulus checks during the pandemic. And so a lot of money flooded uh, into uh, the economy. And unfortunately, at that same time, the supplies, we had supply chain disruptions, right? Those started to happen, thus driving up the prices and creating a lot of the inflation that we have today. And uh, <laughs> I just think it's, um, it's kind of funny because what you generally see happen is the people who are complaining about inflation and they talk about uh, all the money the government gave to them, so forth and so on. A lot of those people, they were not complaining when they got that check, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's one of those, uh, you know, there, there's no free lunch. So you get that stimulus check, you're happy, you spend it, you, you put it in, in your Robin Hood account or whatever people did, and you're feeling pretty, pretty good. And then, of course, the chickens always come home to roost, right? And so here we are in this situation now where inflation is on the way up. And so um, it has a lot of, of uh, people upset. It has the government and the Fed kind of reeling, figuring out what to do. And the way to solve it is by discouraging people from spending money, right? You want to discourage people from spending money. And so how do you do that? And the way that you encourage people to spend less money is you raise interest rates, and you make things more expensive for them such that when they are thinking about making a big purchase like buying a house or they're thinking about 
um, buying some sort of car, interest rates are a lot higher, especially when, especially when you talk about a mortgage. If you go back about six months, uh, the uh, 30-year mortgage was about 3%. Fast forward now, and it's double that. It's about 6%, right? And so it makes people pretty much tighten the reins on things, things especially when they see their, their, uh, their credit card um, debt and things like that, uh, or not the credit card debt, but their credit card interest rates uh, are starting to go up. And so, you know, people think that, you know what, a lot of my essentials have gotten more expensive. And the hope is that uh, that rising inflation, I'm sorry, rising interest rates, you know, the Fed rising interest rates, that it brings down spending and hopefully it brings down inflation with it, right? And so, you know, when we talk about uh, retirement and how inflation can negatively affect someone's retirement, um, it really can just cut into your buying power, especially if you're on a fixed income. If you're lucky enough to have a pension, lucky enough to have, uh, not lucky enough, (laughs) but if you're lucky enough to have a pension, and then if you also have Social Security um, uh, with rising cost of goods and services, it can cut into that buying power, right? Because that's a fixed income. And of course, you know, we do have uh, social security that generally tries to have some sort of cost of living adjustment just to keep up with, with inflation, but it's always um, a little bit less than what that inflation rate is. Um, if you remember uh, uh, the last cost of living adjustment that um, uh, most people who, t- who take social security get, uh, it was right around six, uh, a little over six and a half percent. And of course, right now the numbers came in and inflation is at nine percent. And so you're still you still are losing that purchasing power. And so uh, if you're lucky enough to have, you know, some investments in nest egg, then you also have to make sure that you have growth investments in your portfolio. And of course, growth investments continue, uh, uh, consist of investments that are in the uh, the stock market. And uh, if you have uh, investments that are in the stock market, you're probably like, hey, Marcus, I got, <laughs> I'm invested in the stock market and all I see is my purchasing power and my investments are going down. Yes, but when you take a long-term view, because the bottom line is you expect to be in retirement for years upon years, right? And so you have to have these growth investments because eventually the stock market does eventually turn around and we're hopefully we're starting to see that now. Who knows? No one knows. But longer term, you have to make sure that you have these growth investments. Short term, if you need short term money, those things need to not be um, heavily at risk because those are the uh, assets and, and, and money that you need to spend right now. And so, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, inflation, when you are retired, you just have to make sure that your short term money is safe and not subject to market volatility, but you also have to make sure that your longer term money, money that you're going to need in three, four, five, six years down the line, that it has some sort of growth component so it can keep up with inflation. And then, of course, uh, you know, besides inflation, what else can eat at your retirement income? You know, of course, taxes um, are one of the biggest expenses. We talk about that all the time. You have to make sure that you have a tax plan as well as a plan for inflation, a plan for growth, a plan for income, uh, you know, because we do know that those things are always concerns once you start to go down that proverbial uh, retirement mountain. And so the bottom line is you just have to make sure that you prepare for these things. Uh, You have to make sure that you have some sort of plan. If you 
do not have a plan for those investments, you know, you should, um, you know, go to warrenwealth.net, schedule a time to uh, meet with us so we can make sure that your investments are on track. Have to do that. All right. Well, coming up next, we are going to dive in uh, to some more retirement tax talk and some retirement income talk. You are listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right. Got a little Barry Manilow going this morning. (laughs) So, this is, of course, Barry Manilow. Mm -hmm. This is Copacabana. This reminds me, um, this song came out in 1978. Okay. But, when I was... In my twenties, mm-hmm. I went to a uh, a establishment, a dancing establishment, the disco, and, and they were well, no, there were the discos when no, I was way too oh. young for the disco oh. age, but um, they had like a disco night though, and this okay. is one of the songs that, that they played, and I just remember being on the dance floor dancing to this song, um, and this is when I really was like, well, this song is fantastic, um, <laughs> but I really love the song, doing the cha cha or whatever the dance was. Back then, anyway. I really liked it when I was young. I learned all the lyrics. Like, I'm singing yeah. them in my head right now. Yeah. I think this is a, um, well, number one, it's, it came out in 1978. It was number eight in the U.S., 22 in the U.K. Okay. It's one of those things that, you know, one of his biggest hits. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's has just stayed with us. Yeah. You know, uh, more so than Mandy. Oh, and it was his uh, birthday when? Friday. Friday. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. Welcome back to the show. The Marcus Warren Show, um, and uh, I feel like I need a uh, pina colada while listening to the Copacabana, if you know what I mean, if you know what I mean. Anyway, like I promised, we are going to uh, jump into uh, some emails. We haven't done this in a while, but let's uh, oh, wow. open the mailbag. Yes, it's email, email time. It's time to check the mail. Alrighty, let's get started. First email is from Joanne. She's in Louisville. She says, I'm planning on retiring at the end of this year, but now I'm nervous. Yeah, me too. Uh, with everything going on in our country and the crazy stock market, should I just put my retirement savings in cash? Okay, Joanne, um, that is probably not a good idea. Um, I generally don't recommend uh, that people cash out in a down market, you're basically locking in those gains. Um, and really, the, the only time, you know, when, when there's a down market, the only time you should really take money out is if you absolutely need it to live on. Um, you know, other than that, uh, we know that eventually these things, uh, bear markets uh, tend to uh, turn into upward moving market eventually. And, you know, it, it really depends on uh, your uh, financial situation. So, you know, the, the way that we set up um, our clients retire, <coughs> excuse me, retirement savings here is the money that someone needs within that first, that first, uh, those first few years out of retirement. So years one, one to three. We make sure that that's not really even even in the stock market at risk where it can go down because I talked about sequence of return risk in the last segment. 
And you never know when you, when you need the money if you're going to be pulling out of a down market. And if you do, it can be detrimental. So how can you mitigate against that? There's money that you need short term. You have it in more cash-based fixed income investments that aren't going to fluctuate as much as the market does. So to answer your question, the answer is no, you should not just put all of your retirement savings in cash. You would be locking in those losses. And Joanne, you're supposed to uh, buy low and sell high. And the problem with that too is, is, you know, it's one of those things. The concept, the, the, the concept is that's what you're supposed to do. But the reality of the situation is most people, they do not. They tend to do the opposite. And that is simply because they get into their emotions. Uh, there's two emotions that drive the market. We talk about it all, all the time here on the show. It's fear and greed. <clears throat> and when people are fearful is when you should be greedy. The market is at a discount right now. And it may be a good buying opportunity for a lot of people out there. So, Joanne, um, hold tight, at, at, at least for now. Um, you know, unless, just like I said, I don't know your, your specific situation. But if you don't need the money to live on absolutely right now, then <coughs> I would just uh, hold tight. Right. I think these last few years have really shown um, just how short-term mem- our memories are and how how fickle investors are absolutely um and we have this recency bias and and this just this is short-term memory so in 2020 march covid uh, it was scary it was new i know you got a lot of uh, uh comments saying that hey this has never happened before it's never been like this before and it, and the market recovered in like two days yep. <laughs> it was a it was a v a v-shaped recovery yep it was recovered really fast now again you know and then 2021 we had the boom and now again market's going down this time is different inflation's high everything's going down what do we do now yep. and it's everybody just forgets yeah i, I almost got uh baited into a um not on Facebook, but a, but an email back and forth where I sent out a communication to uh, the people that I talked to, some clients, uh, some prospective clients, or whatever. And then I get a response back from a gentleman who is basically um, he thinks it's this time it's different. There's yeah. famine in, in Africa, food shortage, supply chain issues, horrible administration, inflation, and it is it's doom and gloom. It's Armageddon. Take your money out, put it in your backyard, bury it in your backyard. And my, and, and by the way, I shortened up. His response was like, uh, it, w- it was a manifesto, basically. Okay. He emailed me back at his, <laughs> his uh, investment, his, his financial, um, um, economic, political manifesto. Okay. And <clears throat> so I took the bait. And normally I wouldn't have responded back, but I responded back and I just, you know, told him, I just gave a, a, a two, two or three sentences basically saying, look, history has shown us that uh, the U.S. economy and uh, America is pretty resilient. We always bounce back um, regardless of its inflation, high inflation like we had in the 70s and in the, in the 80s, uh, whether it's high gas prices, whether it's war, whether it's whatever it is things tend to turn around, right? And that was it. Pretty much short and sweet and pithy, pithy, really quick. Then, of course, he he waited a couple of days and got back with me with, by the way, another, it wasn't uh, quite the, the long manifesto. It was uh, a shortened manifesto that, <clears throat> you know, was 
still about, you know, four or five pages, whatever it was. But, um, <laughs> but then I just stopped because this is, you know, someone I don't want to go back and forth and try to convince him. But like I said, eventually we'll, these things will turn around. I don't think it's a time to, you know, take all your money out and put it in your mattress or in the backyard. But let's get to the next email, please. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of inflation, uh, Ronnie from New Albany, I like this question. He says, I just spent over $100 to fill up my tank. And I don't remember ever spending that much for gas. <laughs> That's a lot. Uh, why is inflation so crazy right now? And is there an end in sight? I'll tell you what, uh, Ronnie, if I had my crystal ball, I would be able to tell you if there's an end in sight. Oh, um, <clears throat> you know, I do know that, you know, the, the current administration, they're, 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 they're trying to do something about inflation. Who knows if they're going to be successful or not. Um, yeah, um, you know, this, there, there's been this just perfect storm of, you know, the pandemic that we had, the supply chain issues, the stimulus uh, uh, money that, that, that flowed into the pockets of Americans that increased demand for everything uh, when there was limited supply. So prices went up and the war in Ukraine, there's all these things that have contributed to uh, these, these, um, this high inflation. And, um, you know, generally speaking, you know, we have this high inflation, we have this uh, bear market that we're in, which pretty much spells, um, you know, recessionary times. And um, generally, when we have a bear market, high inflation, things of that nature doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a recession. But this time, um, you know, I think, you know, we're probably due uh, some sort of pullback, uh, some sort of recession. Hopefully it's not a long drawn out recession. Uh, but Ronnie, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm hoping that these gas prices go down. It, it cost me $103 to fill up my tank the other day. And I was not happy about it. But, uh, you know, people are going to have to, you know, tighten their belts for, for the time being. Um, and it hurts. And, and we're just going to make sure that, uh, um, you know, things things change. And, you know, hopefully there is light at the end of the tunnel. Does inflation correct itself on its own? I mean, I know we've got the Federal Reserve tr- increasing interest rates to try to uh, slow down the economy to reduce inflation. But if, if, you know, you're thinking about spending all this money on, on gas, people might cut back on how much driving they're doing, which ends up cutting back on uh, how much spending they're doing. And so that kind of maybe, maybe takes longer. Maybe that's a, a longer term yeah. way to. Yeah. If, if, I mean, there, there are always proponents of just, you know, just let's just, uh, you know, let it uh, sort itself out. But generally speaking, especially when we, when we have inflation this high at 40 year highs, yeah. you know, the fed is going to jump in. And then it's just one of those things where, you know, there's, it's always this balancing act. So, you know, when uh, interest not interest rates, when the market, when the tech bubble burst back in 2000, 2001, 2002, um, the solution was to basically let's, let's drop interest rates. And they dropped, dropped, dropped interest rates almost pretty much to zero, which uh, turned things around. But then uh, the unintended consequences of the collateral damage, which you don't realize in the time, was zero interest rates. Uh, and the housing boom, you know, that ended up turning into a big bust. So people yeah. were able to get loans and money was free and um, everyone was buying, getting these mortgages and so forth or so on, you know, all the way through, you know, 2002, three, four, five, six, seven. And then, of course, the big financial collapse when the credit markets pretty much that bubble burst. And it was because of that. 
And so then we pump in this money for the stimulus. And so the Fed is always trying to balance things out. And so, yes, they are going to raise interest rates. They said they're going to be fairly aggressive with raising interest rates that frighten some people. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see, you know, how, how it plays out. I know my brother in, in, in real estate, I think the real estate, speaking of real estate, I think the real estate market is going to um, really suffer because mm-hmm. these uh, 3% loans that the people were getting, what's six months ago, six to yeah. nine, nine months ago mm-hmm. are now 6%. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to see the, the housing market. We're going to see a lot of things just ebb and flow. You know, you had these hot markets, these down markets, these down sectors, we're going to see as the Fed starts raising interest rates, um, you know, people who have this consumer debt, you know, that's not going to be so, uh, so it's not going to be so great. But then on the other end, when, as these interest rates start to pop up, you're going to find yourself able to get better rates on CDs, better mm-hmm. rates on bonds, better rates on safe money. Yeah. So we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, we do not have another time for another email. So I guess coming up next, we're going to have D's uh, Tax Corner. All yes. right. You are listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right, little um, Guns N' Roses. You know, the song now, at least right now at this moment in time, it reminds me of um, Thor. Okay. Uh, the Love and Thunder, the, the most recently released Thor movie, because they used a lot of Guns N' Roses, and if you saw the, the previews movie. and mm-hmm. stuff, you just this was, I think, one of their main songs. Anyway, hmm. Guns N' Roses, this song came out in 1987. Okay. Number one in the U.S., number six in the U.K. So there you go. Big karaoke song? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Although no one really sounds like uh, Axl Rose. But, uh, not bad. You know, I remember uh, loving this song back in uh, the 80s. This is true 80s hair band stuff. You know. Definitely a lot of hair. A lot, a lot of hair. Welcome back to the program. The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net, put in your information, and you will receive a nice physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg. We are talking about market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk. You got to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. And uh, all right, uh, like I uh, like we always do, uh, we always got to talk about some taxes. So let's get into uh, D's Tax Corner. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Or woman. Well, today, let's talk about something that think probably every American dreads What's that? receiving that letter from the IRS. It's very scary. Yes. So every year, the IRS audits over 1 million tax returns, which honestly doesn't seem like that much because 
don't uh, 20 something 30 40 80 what? how many million of people <laughs> file tax returns each year probably oh a lot a lot right so yeah. it's a small percentage of the returns that are filed um and of course we've um heard in the news lately that the IRS audit department has shrunk over the last maybe eight or so years yep uh the new administration is potentially looking to boost it back up again. Um, but here are some of the reasons why the IRS might choose you and your return to audit. So are you giving people um, tips on uh, basically what the IRS looks for so yes. they can maybe take this information and use it yes. and say, okay, um, these are these red flags you're these saying? These are red flags. Okay. These are Let's things go. you don't want to do on your tax return <laughs> okay. if you can avoid it. So first, your income either being too high or too low could trigger an audit. Okay, too too low, yeah, I guess. Well, too low. Low earnings means you might be taking incorrect deductions. So you may have might have taken or, too many deductions. Yes, trying to over uh, you know, compensate on yes. some of those deductions. Yes. Um, but too low is interesting to me because you know, I mean, you know, right now, I mean, what if you just work at they're probably looking at deductions, not income too low, right? Cuz if you work at you know, a low paying job, you know, I mean, you know, whatever it may be, fast food, whatever. And that's all you do. I mean, well, you, know, another, if you make $18,000 a year or $15,000 a year. That's just what you make. Just another, well, another, I'm sure age and the algorithm they have mm-hmm. in their age. The, and, yeah. Yeah. If it's what you make, it's what you make. The, when you are lower income, you do get the earned income tax credit, that too. the child tax credit. And those are my, highly scrutinized. That's on your list. That is on my list. Right. Here we go. Number go two, uh, you, you receive the earned income child or the earned income tax credit, which right. um, is like I said, for lower income individuals, um, it's a refundable credit, meaning that you get money back even if you don't owe any taxes, even if your tax liability is zero. And it can be upwards of five, $6,000 combined with the child tax credit. You know, I've seen um, five-figure refunds, um, refunds in the, fi- in the five figures just from those, those credits. Yeah. Um, I, you know, so the IRS scrutinizes that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because, um, um, you know, that's – with these um, uh, advocates of, you know, people who make, uh, who don't make a, a, a lot of money. Um, you know, there are statistics that, that show that um, households with less than $25,000 in income, as you're mm-hmm. saying, if your income's too low, mm-hmm. um, they get audited at a rate of five times the rate of, of anyone else. And that yes. is uh, very interesting. They yes. um, go for the uh, the low hanging fruit. They do go for the low hanging fruit um, because a lot of time people just people just end up seeing that that letter from the IRS, that scary IRS logo on the top left corner, and they're like, yes. "All right, never mind, never mind, take it back, take it back." Yeah, and 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 you know when 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 you're talking about audits, um, I think people really a lot of times they think when the IRS comes knocking at your door that that's, you know, that, that audit, but no, an audit is when you get that communication or what counts as an audit is when you receive that, that communication from the IRS that says, Hey, you claim this credit. Um, you may not be, you're probably not eligible for it. Here is a revised tax return that we did for you without that credit. You owe us this amount of money. Yep. And uh, uh, that, that, my friend, is an audit, yeah. right? It's a mm-hmm. correspondence mm-hmm. audit. And then, of course, there's the in-person audit, which are the worst. 
But as as you're talking about audits, I think most people think that the IRS comes knocking at your door and really yes. no. they send you a letter. That's an audit too. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes and, and most people write and most people do. You, I mean, you, you are right. Most people see that they just take the IRS's word and they write that check or they disregard it and let it build up. Yes. And that's the wrong thing to do. I've seen a lot of those um, uh, their CP notices this year. Um, just because the IRS isn't catching up to everything that's going on. They just implemented a new uh, online account system where you can set up your ID.me account online mm -hmm. and make a payment on your tax return. And uh, for a lot of couples who file married filing jointly, it's messed up the record that the IRS has when you make that payment online. It's sometimes been misapplied. Right. I've seen a few um, uh, letters come in that way where it's just a big tax bill that comes in, and if you aren't aware of, of what it what it means, or if you somehow forgot that you already made that payment, you might have overpaid yeah. just by just by writing a check. And the IRS does not make it easy if you have questions or if you're trying to dispute because you're so underfunded, understaffed, and so far behind. Where um, you know, even if you are trying to uh, make things right or, or do whatever, it, it, it's a process because if you call the IRS, you can literally be on hold for hours. Yes, no for, exaggeration. For for hours. Multiple hours. And then a lot of times, because it's basically just a, a call center, if you will, will you can get, um, if you call twice, you can get basically two different answers for the same question. So, um which, you know, doesn't really uh, uh, expedite, uh, you know, the, the fact that um, we know when you're trying to get something resolved, it doesn't happen quickly. And it can be yep. frustrating. And a lot of people just, they try to call, they have to wait, they don't have all that time. And then they say, forget it. And then all that does is just build up. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Pen cruise penalties, interest. Yes. Yeah. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, next, next one. Um, so the IRS has an automated under-reporter program. I uh, bet you most people don't know this or might not know this, where it matches W-2 and 1099 information with the information that you report on your tax return. Yeah. So when you get a W-2 or when you get a 1099 form, whether it's a 1099 miscellaneous, 1099 NEC, 1099R, 1099 interest, all of those, the IRS also gets a copy of those. So if you forget one, forget to report one on your tax return, if it might come later than when you file your tax return, or if you're like, well, I'll just, you know, I forgot to include this one this year. I'm going to include it next year. No, 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 you can't do that. Yeah. The IRS matches up all those forms that you get uh, with what they've received from those same institutions. And then they send you that CP 2000 notice saying, hey, like you said, hey, you forgot this. Here, we adjusted it for you. Here's how much more you owe. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's funny how how people think they can get away with not reporting income that they get from like a W-2 or like yes. you said, one of those 1099s. Yep. And what people have to understand, because we do a lot of tax returns where, where people accidentally forget to give us uh, an extra W-2 or a 1099. Yes. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden the IRS sends them that letter. Oh, and by the way, you think that you have gotten away with it. Because, like I said, they're underfunded and understaffed. And so uh, they'll send you that letter. 
but it might be a year, a year and a half, sometimes two years later. So, yes. you know, you think you got away with something in, uh, you know, 2020 and, you know, you'll get that letter this year that says, hey, remember in 2020 when you left off that W-2 or that 1099? Um, no, we've adjusted it and now you owe us those taxes plus interest and penalties. So any kind of form you get, you have to make sure that you put it on your tax return. And I know people get impatient and they don't want to wait. And then so they'll leave a form or two off and they'll get it later and they just won't worry about it. No, just wait. Nope. Patient. Yep. And you can't, I've heard, I've been asked this before. Can I just include it on my return next year? No, you can't because that year, the tax year that it's supposed to be taxable in or that is taxable in is included on the form. You can't include it next year. Yeah. All right. Next big red flag is you own a business. Yeah. Yep. You own a business, especially cash-heavy businesses where it's a lot easier to forget a zero or forget a payment or not record a payment. So, of course, rules regarding business deductions can be confusing. They're constantly changing. These last couple of years, we've seen 2020 and 2021, we've seen changes as re- uh, when it comes to business deductions um, just simply because of the COVID uh, relief bills that have passed. They yeah. included some tax code provisions. And so constantly changing, um, pretty confusing. And of course, uh, cash heavy businesses, if you pay, if you make, uh, if you pay in cash or if you receive cash payments, um, it's important yeah. to, to keep good records. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's mainly because with, with, with the business, um, you know, you have that, um, code section, um, what is it, 162, that basically says you can deduct anything um, or any ordinary or necessary expenses in whatever business you are in. Conducting your business is deductible. Right. And a lot of people try to take advantage of that. Oh, yeah. And that's why if you yeah. do own a business, you are kind of more susceptible to mm-hmm. getting that uh, getting that audit or getting that letter, especially if you if you use those round number estimates. So I've seen I've seen those before where people try to yes. recreate their income and it all comes down to even increments and in thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars. And it's just like, really, you it, it was exactly you earned exactly ten thousand dollars in this business this yeah, year and you deducted exactly twelve thousand dollars. So you're in yes. the red and you owe no taxes. Yeah. It's a nice round nice, uh, nice round, round number. number. No, no, yep. no. Means no, no, no. you're not keeping good record, then when they come knocking on your door, you my friend will be in trouble. There you go. All right, D, thank you for that. Tax corner. And you probably had more, but uh we didn't have time. But um thank you very much and now you know what you should know in regards to taxes. Coming up next, we're going to get into some news you can use and news you can't use. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. (laughs) What is this, Cheers? This is Cheers. In a sitcom. (laughs) So this is actually Gary Portnoy, right? Yes. Portnoy. Portnoy. That's what I was never heard of him. Of course, this is where everybody knows your name. The theme song, which ended up being the theme song to uh, Cheers. The song came out in 1982. Okay. Yes. There we go. There you go. That's the part everybody knows. It is. There you go. Of course, uh, was the top 100 hit in the UK. Nice. There you go. Nice. Okay. But. 
Everyone knows this song. Yeah. Then Applebee's commandeered it. They did. And, uh, yeah, they got, uh, see that Applebee's commercial where they use this song? No. And uh, people were upset. They're not, they weren't happy. Because it's attached to Cheers yeah. the Bar. Yeah. And now they've attached it to Applebee's, which, you know, isn't the. It's not the same know, thing. Fine dining establishment. Anyway. That Cheers was? That Cheers was, exactly. With Norm and, uh, you know, and Woody and, and, and all the guys. Sam, you know, all the guys. And yeah. uh, all of them. You know, Christy Alley. I was going to use her real name. Yeah. Anyway, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. And uh, let's do this. Let's just jump right into some news that you can use. <laughs> All right, so Netflix has partnered with Microsoft to add advertising to the streaming platform. Uh, Netflix has been struggling to retain and add subscribers and announced earlier this year that they were planning on rolling out an ad-supported tier after years of resisting the move. CEO Reed Hastings has long opposed to adding commercials or other promotions to the platform, but he said that uh, during a recent uh, company earnings call that it makes a lot of sense to offer customers a cheaper option. Of course, uh, recently, in the last couple quarters of, or the first two quarters of 2022, Netflix lost about 1 million subscribers in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, they still have 221 million subscribers. They're trying to add, of course, this ad-supported platform to charge customers less on a monthly yes. basis. Um, you know, with, with Netflix, you know, it's interesting because they, um, at one point, they said they would never... never. Yeah ever do any kind of uh, marketing. And of course, they had a change of heart um, once uh, the stock basically plummeted, what, 80% or whatever mm-hmm. it did. Yes. And now they're having that change of heart. Um, yes. And actually, you're, you're starting to see some of the other streamers who are, are coming up with ad-based models because Disney Plus right now doesn't have one. Mm-hmm. And I think they're looking at... at that uh, same thing. Doing that same thing. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm a person who hates ads. And yes. so I'll pay for the premium service not to have ads. I have Hulu premium or no ads. I even have actually everything, every streaming service that I have that has that option where there's no ads or if they have ads, I always upgrade and get the no ad option. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, is a huge, you know, a track of people who don't mind ads and will pay that, that mm-hmm. lower amount. Yeah. And so um, I'm thinking that, you know, Netflix would be, you know, long term, I think they'll I think it'll work out for them. They'll they'll figure something out. Oh yeah, you know? rebound. Yeah. And another thing about Microsoft, people forget that Microsoft they have a pretty good ad business that people don't think of. There, there's so many. You know, you, you have these companies that you think do one thing and they mm-hmm. do multiple things. Yes. I think it was the same way with with Amazon with AWS. That yes. you know you don't realize that that the AWS, which mm-hmm. is their cloud services, I think it's like. They're number one in market share for that, right? It's because when you think about yeah. Amazon, you think about just going and buying, uh, you know, some shoes or some some books or something, it's, right? It's the more profit, the most profitable division of the company is AWS, more mm-hmm. profitable than what we know Amazon for, which yep. is the delivery. Mm-hmm. Which I did not know, but yeah. now I know. No one's half the battle. GI Joe. All right, what else we got? <laughs> A Vanguard subsidiary group uh, has to pay about six million dollars to Massachusetts investors who were hit last year with some unexpected tax bills. So Massachusetts uh, securities regulators reached a $6.25 million settlement with Vanguard Marketing Corp., which is a subsidiary of Vanguard, um, following an investigation launched earlier this year. Uh, 
regarding some changes uh, to target date funds. So target date funds have stocks, mm-hmm. bonds, cash that automatically become more conservative as investors approach that target date or their retirement date. Um, as a result of some of these movements, uh, some of the sales of some of the securities uh, generated capital gains that b- then were distributed to True. the holders of those funds. Yep. And uh, some investors were hit with some huge tax bills. One investor uh, told the Wall Street Journal that he incurred a $150,000 surprise tax bill in 2021 on his holdings in Vanguard's Target Retirement 2035 fund. Wow. You know, I mean... That's the thing about mutual funds in, in general um, is that, you know, from a tax standpoint, even when it is, um, you know, something that's, I guess, unforeseen, I guess, because mm-hmm. they had to pay, but is that um, you can lose money in any kind of fund, whether it's a target date or any mutual fund, and then still have a tax bill yes. because you're getting in and you're basically, you know, getting in with a, a mutual group of people who, uh, and that fund has, you know, embedded capital gains on stuff that they've held forever and now you are a owner of you know the you know GE stock that they've had since you know 1980 and you know if they uh, have made money and they decide to sell off some of that uh, then you'll be hit with that tax bill even though the fund could be down and I think most people don't understand that in regards to mm-hmm. you know these mutual funds yeah. you know so I've gotten those confusing questions how, how, why, how why am I paying capital gains when uh, this my account is down? And it's because at the end of the year, that mutual fund itself yep. has some embedded capital gains. They might have sold out of some securities. And any of those capital gains have to be distributed to all of the investors who are holding the fund at that time. Yes, ma'am. You are correct. All right. One more news you can use. Let's go with Chinese search engine company called Baidu. Um, speaking of yes. companies that uh, do all sorts of different things, they unveiled a new autonomous car with a detachable steering wheel that they want to use for a robo-taxi service in 2023, uh, which is up to a year before any other companies like Tesla uh, are going to start mass producing similar vehicles. So the company unveiled uh, a new model for just $37,000, uh, retailing at $37,000, which is half of what it had previously said it would... Uh, uh, sell the car for you know it's it's um when you say that it reminds me of um and i'm trying to pull up the picture of that bad boy it reminds me of um the mo- uh, tom minority report have you ever seen minority yes. report with mm-hmm. tom cruise when basically there were those, car- autonomous, those autonomous cars cars you would get in and no steering wheel just you would just get in and just sit down and it would yep. just go mm-hmm. and i don't know how i feel about that I yeah mean, that's that would be just and I'm glad that they're doing it first, you mm-hmm. know, work out all the kinks before yes. it rolls its way over here. And then, of yeah. course, we'll have our regulations where you have to work out the kinks mm-hmm. um, before I jump into one of those things. Well, right now, one of, the, yes, one of the um, law, safety laws in China is that they can't have, a, uh, they need to have a steering wheel. Um, and I don't know how this company is able to get around it by making it maybe detachable, basically to increase space to allow more people to fit inside it because it is going to be a taxi. But I agree with you. Um, you know, Google um, is working with a company called Waymo to also uh, implement a minivan without a steering wheel, an autonomous minivan. I don't know if I could work with a company called Waymo. Waymo? That just sounds That just sounds like a fake name. Why? It sounds like Acme, you know, the Roadrunner and yeah. uh, Wile E. Coyote, mm-hmm. how they have Acme. Acme. Waymo just sounds Wait, like... Wait, Acme's not a real company? It sounds like... <laughs> it sounds like... 
something that'd be in a cartoon. Waymo. I don't know. What about a uh, Geely Automotive Automobile Holdings? That's fine. Just Way- Waymo sounds okay. sounds silly. You okay. know what I mean. And hopefully they don't have Waymo accidents than anyone else. Oh. <laughs> All right, D. I Thank agree you with you. This. I say let. Them, no, I didn't even laugh. Uh, I'm just thinking about uh, driverless cars. Um, yeah. I know they've got some of those already in um, in San Francisco. They've got some autonomous cars. Um, the Ubers, maybe, or are they really taxi cars? Like yes. People are in them. I or don't know if they're just they, testing them out. Because I know they out. were just doing that without yeah. people, and they've been doing yes. that for a while. And there's been a couple of accidents and all really, that stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, like yeah, like you said, work at the kinks first, and then maybe you know, seven years from now, I'll try it. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. But thank you, D, for that uh, news that you can use. And of course, if we left everyone with that, that would be enough. But we have to give you what you came here for. And that's the news that you can't use. Well, a cat who became quote unquote famous on social media for her unusually large eyes. She's a black cat, has these large eyes. Big old eyes. She recently became the first non-human to serve a day as the mayor of Hell, Michigan. Yes, it is a real town. Okay. Town of Hell, Michigan offers anyone the chance to serve as mayor for one day if you just pay them $100. <laughs> they agreed to allow Jinx the cat to become the town's first animal mayor. Uh, Jinx lives in California. She has uh, 735,000 TikTok followers and 400,000 Instagram followers. Yes, okay. I'm talking about a, cla- a cat. Yeah, I know. Um, she was uh, sworn in as mayor it's, earlier uh... this month. She served as mayor for the te- uh, for the day, and her tenure ended with a call from Reverend Vaughn, the town's minister of hell, informing her of her impeachment. Uh, impe- <laughs> it was an impeachment. Yes, like that's just yes, that's that's officially you have to be impeached to be removed. Um, yeah, that's ridiculous. As I mean, but that's that's why we have this stupid segment. Um, you know, news. Um, that you can't use, and that was not sure what sort that, of legislation that, that might have topped down as, as uh, well, you know, one of the best. Like ones. this is that, that's just stupid. This is ridiculous. I mean, you have a cat as a mayor, and then yeah. it's just to even come up. It's not the fact that that happened. It's like who decided to do that? You know, I'm always allow like, people like, to why? become like, mayor, or, or no, or not allow people to become mayor. No, oh. <laughs> or animals. There we go. Right? Yeah, I got why it. and why do you think open-minded. that's cool? And why do you think that that's cute? Is it? I mean, I don't know. Because it's not. It's ridiculous. That's, any you know. any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess. But what do you what are you getting out of it? What what? Like, what are you getting out of that? More people who might want to be the mayor of Hell, oh, Michigan. Yeah. For a day. Sure. I want. Yeah. The only Michigan I like is uh, Traverse City, aka TVC. You know what I'm saying? No, you don't. Because uh, you know, no, you've probably experienced TVC before. But Hell, Michigan. No thanks. Thank you, dude. Because that was ridiculous. And not, that was news you can't use. That might have been one of your number one stories, minus the Guinness Book of World Record stories. That horrible. horrible. Anyway, we all know what that music means. It means we've come to the end of the show. Want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com.
Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.